Hi, it's Jamie. And I'm Portia. And we are Just Two Pearls. Join us for Adventures in Pearls. All right. So today we are talking about sisterhood. So I have a reflection that is co-written by Brittany C. Cooper and Susanna M. Morris. And it is part of their essay called Eight Reasons Why Formanism Can Ruin Your Love Life. It takes a village not only to raise a child, but also to become a fully actualized human being. Perhaps sisters wouldn't have to work so hard if we got rid of this patriarchal hierarchy in which female friendships come last. Sister friends and other forms of family need not necessarily compete in one's life. Relationships should, in fact, not be user-friendly. Beware of any sister that puts her girls on a DVR plan, pauses them at will, fast forwards through the inconvenient parts, and makes time for them only when she has nothing better to do on a Saturday night. Thus ends the reading. Oh, I like that one, especially since, you know, we're talking about sisterhood and we're talking about relationships and all that good stuff. And um, I think that kind of goes along with um, my adventure of the day. Um, this uh, recently, since I've been in Newark, um, one of my good friends, Danny, from college came to visit. And so I really appreciated her coming to visit. We celebrated her birthday. And I think it's always a good time just to kind of see people who just kind of been like your rock and people who've kind of like been solid for you through the years. And so um, what I thought I was doing in terms of taking Danny out really ended up being a tremendous blessing for me Um, because I didn't realize, like, I've been grappling with, like, this concept of, like, loneliness, so to speak, Um, and I didn't really realize it until the preacher preached it. Um, Shout out to the preacher, hey. (laughs) Um, But I realized Sisterhood comes in all forms. Sometimes sisterhood is at a distance and we're not always um, easily connected. We can be far away, Um, you know, like you and I or like my best friend Liz. Liz lives in Atlanta. Um, But I was really grateful for a visit. Usually I'm going to go see people. Like I'm going to visit people all the time, right? But it was nice to have um, my friend Danny come to visit me, Um, even though it was about her and her birthday. (laughs) And we did it. We had an awesome, awesome, delicious lunch. Paris got to hang out with us, so we made it like a a three, um, you know, like a girls' day, and we went shopping at the mall and stuff, you know, because, girl, I love a good outlet. You know me, Jamie, I love a good outlet. I like to shop. So we went shopping. We bought coats. <laughs> Literally, we bought coats. Um, and Paris was with us. And Paris, we all know how little Miss Paris can be in all of her ways. But while we were with Paris and while we were walking Paris and just spending time with Paris, one thing I noticed about little Miss Paris, um, particularly on this day as Danny was with us, is that Paris throws shade, right, at boy dogs. So in the spirit of sisterhood, in the spirit of relationships, I realize that maybe Paris is not very sisterly toward dogs. Um, I don't think she models her mother um, in the spirit of sisterhood with cultivating relationships with women or with men because, you know, 
little dogs, um, as she's licking my foot right now, little dogs try to say hi to Paris, and she's just like, I don't have time for you. Um, oh. And she's just like, no, no. Like, she won't bark. She won't do, you know, any of that. Like, she won't try to bite. She's just like, I don't have time for you. And I'm like, Paris, you need friends. Like, you need friends. Like, you see how Mommy and Danny are friends? You need friends. No. So this is dog Morocco who lives in our building. And so Morocco's mom and dad are really, really cool. I like them. But when we see Morocco going on walks, I say, Paris, look, it's your cousin Morocco. Like, make friends. Morocco, you know, is really trying to be friendly to Paris. Paris is like, "Uh uh-uh. Like, don't come over here. Don't be sniffing my tail. Like, don't be sniffing me. Like, I don't know you. I don't want nothing to do with you. As a dog mom who really appreciates relationships and sisterhood, I'm really struggling, you know, to try to get my little baby to be friendly to other dogs, like to be receptive. Like I said, she won't bark. She won't bite. She won't do any of that. She's just like, why are you talking to me? I am not of your breed. I am not a dog. I'm a person. No, Paris, sweetheart, I'm so sorry to tell you. You are a dog. You are not a person. Um, but I, I love the fact that you are so friendly to other people. Yes, you are. Um, Paris is very friendly. She wants to be best buddies with humans. She wants to be with all of my girlfriends. You know, Jamie, she loves you. Um, mm-hmm. You know how Paris can be really like, girlfriendy-like, but she doesn't do it with her own breed. So my note today on this adventure is to say, regardless of your breed, whether it be canine or the human kind, be loving, be friendly, and be open to all forms of relationships of sisterhood of all kinds. So it's my prayer that my doggie would model after her mommy and get some sister friends. You know, run it wild at the dog park. You know, maybe you can make some friends at the doggy salon. I don't know. But in any case, you know, that's, that's my adventure. So my friend Danny came to visit, and we noticed in this visit that Paris saves dogs. Wow. But it's okay. So wow. we're all about cultivating relationships, and she needs to do better. So that's, that's all wow. I have to say for today, Jamie. Amazing. <laughs> so it's so funny because the dogs here in Los Angeles, I, I mean, Paris might do well in Los Angeles because the dogs that I have seen, like, closest to campus, they are human dogs. Like, they, like, every, every, everybody, see? Like, they're human. They walk off leashes. And they're like, fine. Exactly. Or like after class one day, I was talking to my classmate, and there was this dog walking across campus, and we were like, oh, is this dog without an owner? That's so bizarre. The owner was behind them, but that dog was walking like, okay, I, I need to go to lunch. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to lunch. And right. these dogs just, like, walk themselves, and, like, they're like, oh, owner, you're over there picking up my poop. Good. I'll meet you at the house. Like, dogs are interesting. Dogs no longer feel like dogs. They feel like owners. <laughs> It's like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Dogs. Like, they just all of a sudden become, like, people. And it's like, okay, like, you're a canine. But God bless you, though. <laughs> Maybe she might need some L.A. sunshine and some L.A. friends. Maybe she'll, she'll be more friendly, more sisterly, um, dogly amongst some L.A. folks, you know, all that good stuff. So, you know. <laughs> the sisterhood of the dogs. Well, yeah, bring her out here to L.A. anytime, and I'll spend time with you, and hopefully Paris will make herself a dog friend or two. We would, we oh, would my gosh. That would work. <laughs> Jamie, you should totally get a dog, and we could be the sisterhood of the traveling dog moms. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Anyway, I'm so glad to hear that you are working on cultivating sisterhood and feelings of sisterhood within Paris, and uh, we'll see how that turns out. You can keep us posted. 
Um, but today, Pearls, we are finishing up our relationship series. Yay. We have felt so blessed to be able to talk to Sydney Magruder Washington a few weeks ago and to Nicole Azan on our last episode. And today we are wrapping it up with a conversation that we had with our friend, Reverend Dr. Shelley D. Best, who is the president and CEO of the Conference of Churches in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, how did you like our conversation with Reverend Shelley, Portia? I enjoyed it. I really did. And I think that the pearls are going to get an awesome treat with our conversation with Reverend Shelley. You can never go wrong talking to Reverend Shelley. That is my personal opinion, and I think I am right. So, um, pearls, you are really going to enjoy this conversation. It was very fruitful, and I don't want to give any of it away. I want you all to just listen. <laughs> hey there, pearls. Today we are here with our friend, the Reverend Dr. Shelley D. Best. Reverend Best is a nationally recognized leader in faith-based community development, and she is the pastor of the Redeemer AME Zion Church, which is located in Plainville, Connecticut. Since taking the helm, she has led the effort to transform the church parsonage into the meeting house, which is a place to practice hope, healing, and what she calls radical hospitality. For the past 15 years, Reverend Best has served as the president and CEO of the Conference of Churches, which is located in Hartford, Connecticut, and she's widely credited for its revitalization through the creation of the 224 Ecospace, a $2.5 million social enterprise where changemakers work, create, and lead. Through her leadership, the organization has launched several nationally recognized initiatives. In 2016, she was invited to the White House to present a white paper on her innovative model of ministry, the Obama years, y'all. Reverend Beth has completed yoga teacher training, and she launched her Soul Yo X practice at the 224 Ecospace. She believes that yoga is for everybody. The host of the Soul Stories podcast and the WRCH 100.5 FM radio show, Rich Answers, Reverend Best earned her doctorate in ministry from Hartford Seminary, master's degrees from Hartford Seminary and our alma mater, Yale Divinity School, and a BA in communication from Central Connecticut State University. Welcome to the podcast, Reverend Shelley. Thank you. We are so glad that you are joining us, Reverend Shelley. Thank you so much just for your time and just being here. So first question, Reverend Shelley, we're just going to get right into it. So how would you define sisterhood? What is sisterhood, this relationship of sisterhood, what does it mean to you? Well, when I think about sisterhood, it's all about, I would say, sharing some sort of mutual mentoring where we're learning from one another. It's a certain degree of loyalty to the sisterhood. It's about uplift. It's about an intention that we are going to help each other be better by the relationship. And uh, I think in order to be sisters, it's about not throwing shade at one another. It's about really uplifting and encouraging one another. That's, that's it in a nutshell. Awesome. So, Reverend Shelley, on your Soul Stories podcast, you had an episode where you talked about your familial relationships growing up in Connecticut, and you talked specifically about your relationship with your siblings, how did the relationships that you've, you have had and continue to have with your biological family, how does that influence the way that you approach being a sister in the world? 
Well, in the Soul Story podcast, I told the story of my relationship with my older sister, Sandra, and Sandy was the kind of person where you're having sort of a messy relationship. She was my bio sister. She died about 10 years ago, and she happened to have been a woman who struggled with being bipolar. And so in my relationship with my sister Sandy, I learned something about loving someone who might be complicated, but having that kind of loyalty to them. And I knew that my sister Sandy extended herself to me when I was born because my mother was also someone that was struggling with mental health issues. And Sandy in many ways helped raise me. And she went out of her way to look out for me to the best of her ability. And so when I think about my relationships now with other women, it's about looking out for one another and really being those kind of nurturing forces. And when I think about who I am now and I happen to sort of live maybe a non-traditional life because the life that people tell you you're supposed to have as the adult woman is you grow up and then you get married and so you spend and invest your relationship energy on your husband and your children. But I happen to have taken the ministry path where I did spend some years married, but I've been single now for, I guess, about eight years, somewhat single. I am in a relationship, but um, without being married, I've started to pay more attention to my sister relationships. And I think as I get older, because now I'm 55, I start to think more about the end of life on the horizon and what I've learned by being a woman that's now in the middle age towards senior citizen years in that, you know what, you may be married to a man, but men die. (laughs) A partner could die. And I think more women, when you reach a certain age, you start to realize, you know what, I need to pay attention to my sisters because sisters may be there for the longer haul than a man I might be in relationship with. And so I think a lot of women, especially in ministry, because it, it ends up being for a lot of women in ministry that we end up being single often. So sister relationships end up being sustaining relationships. And so I think my experience with my sister, my mother, and my own personal journey has taught me the importance of sisterhood. So, Reverend Shelley, we start to see sometimes, like, a lot of people doing, like, studies and doing articles and journaling and just releasing pieces about sisterhood and cultivating sisterhood and understanding sisterhood. So my next question for you is, what do you feel? are the essential elements of cultivating sisterhood? Well, I think that sisterhood relationships often are cultivated in this busy world that many of us are living in the framework of self-care. So I think that often sisterhood relationships are ones where we're going to get together, spend some time talking and debriefing about life. That's self-care you know, having someone to talk to about what you're going through and what's going on. A self-care sisterhood is going with that friend to Zumba or yoga or going with that friend to the spa. That's self-care. So we're together, but we're doing things that help us take care of ourselves as well. And so I think that's a framework that many sisterhood relationships exist within, where it's our way of making sure we are healthy and having someone to check in with about this journey called life because if you are 
living your life as a single person with no one to reflect to, I think that we can become confused or, and or crazy, and I'm putting that in quotes, in our own mind. You have to have someone to do reality checks with, and that's the power of sisterhood, especially in the framework of self-care. So Reverend Shelley, Portia and I are millennials, and in particular we are millennial women who are in ministry. Portia is currently in a professional church setting. I have returned to school. And you've been in our place. You've been in your mid-20s, starting out in ministry. What are some tools that you might have for women who are in their mid-20s and early 30s who really want to be serious and intentional about building healthy relationships with other sisters? Well, I would say one of the first things to come to if you're going to be serious about having a sisterhood relationship is to have an an agreement about being trustworthy and what the boundaries are. I think it may not be a technical conversation, but one of those evenings over tea or wine, whatever your drink of choice might be, it's a conversation about, you know what, can we be in this journey together and kind of look out for one another without doing each other in? So there has to be some kind of agreement. The other thing is in the relationship with another sister, it's about mutual accountability, uh, agreeing with one another that if you see the other one straying from the things they promised they would do, that it's okay to mention it to the sister. Like, you promised you were going to take care of yourself or you promised you were going to work out. I'm just reminding you. It's up to you what you decide to do. Or you told me that if you saw me going down the road in a relationship that is not positive for me, you wanted me to say something. So I think it's having some agreements about how you're going to look out for one another in that sisterhood relationship and then, you know, holding each other accountable to it. Like, for example, you know, sometimes we can get so busy that we're just not available and we kind of go underground. So it's reminding the sister, you said at least you would text or give me a thumbs up on Facebook to let me know that you're okay. So checking in would be um, an important guideline for maintaining that relationship. So I think it's having the conversation about how you're going to relate for the long haul and in certain kinds of ways letting each other know uh, the expectation that the other person might be there in those hard times. Like, for example, my pearl friend Jamie let me know that even though she's a millennial, she would be the person that would probably check on me in my old age if I end up falling out in my house dead. She would be one of the people that would check on me or check on my house and clean it out. Exactly. So you need to keep it clean, (laughs) keep that house clean, and I do have the key. I have the key. So if I need to show up, if Anna starts barking real loud, I'm going to show up. Right. <laughs> so it's good to have those friends who will say, you know, I'm going to look out for you in your old age. I'll check on you. And if you start getting <laughs> crazy, I guess I'll find a place for you to be institutionalized. <laughs> Lots of tongue-in-cheek sarcasm there, but I think we understand the relationship. We do. That's great. Reverend Shelley, if you would, since, you know, you kind of brought up a little bit, um, you and Jamie, as y'all just engaged, if you would share, I feel like I would be completely remiss, right, if I didn't bring up, Um, another kind of relationship, even though this episode is primarily about sisterhood, but also the relationship of mentorship. And so that's not something that we really talked about um, in our relationship series, but if you could just like hint on that just a little bit, if you could just share a little bit about mentorship and the importance of 
having mentors and the relationship of that. Could you share some about that? Since you are an awesome mentor, and I've witnessed that um, with you and Jamie as well. Well, thank you so much. I was fortunate that Jamie ended up being my intern when she was going to Yale Divinity School, and I was involved in supervised ministry at Yale. And so I was fortunate that this young woman of color came to me with the possibility of being uh, someone in supervised ministry in my organization. For me, seeing a young woman of color come in the door was my pure delight because I have served as a mentor for a number of young men who happen to be at the Divinity School or uh, white young women, but to have a woman of color come in, I was like, yes, finally. And for me, it was the privilege. I want to give my sister the things I didn't have. And so I think uh, the experience of mentoring or having Jamie as my intern was me paying it forward or paying back for those that have given me a lot along the way and then also for the things that I didn't get. I wanted her to have information that I didn't have ahead of time. I wanted to help her navigate some of the things that uh, I had to go through without necessary uh, navigation because I think for women, um, we're in territories where it's not like our mothers or a lot of the women in our life are on these paths. So I consider it a privilege to help Jamie take uh, the journey she took and be able to have somebody to talk to because I kind of saw things happening to her that happened to me. Some things haven't changed. Sexism is still a part of the world we live in. And so it was a privilege for me to be able to give her some of the things that I know I needed. Um, and then I would say the part that I received from Jamie, which was unanticipated on my part because I've been very much a career kind of woman, the gift to me is to have the young sister who cares about me that I care about. So it ended up being kind of a nurturing, tender relationship in some different emotional territory than I could have anticipated. And so in many ways this relationship with younger women is a blessing for me. I think maybe it makes me more nurturing and softer by having younger women in my life. And so that's the privilege and blessing that's come to me by this mentoring kind of relationship. And there's things that I've learned from, you know, Jamie and some of the other young women in my life as well. And I, I think it helps me stay a little fresh. And then Jamie will let me know when I'm dressing um what is it, Jamie? It's quirky. Is that what you say about some of my outfits? So, you know. So, so quirky. Yes, yeah, a little quirky. So she's helping me pay attention to uh, this modern age, and she keeps me in step um, to a degree. So, Reverend Shelley, I have a couple more questions for you. I don't know how many more you have, Ms. Portia, because we could talk to you all day. We won't keep you here all day. Uh, I think as Pearls, I think our Pearl audience, might be interested in the way that you have been part of our Just Two Pearls journey as well since the beginning. Uh, you, we mentioned earlier, are the CEO of the Conference of Churches, the 224 Ecospace, and one of the things that you wanted to do with the 224 Ecospace was open it up as a place where people could record podcasts and other productions that they wanted to put out into the world. And so we were one of the podcasts of the 224 Ecospace. So can we talk a little bit about that kind of even 
impromptu mentoring lunch that we had with you over a year ago now where we kind of came up with the concept of Just Two Pearls. Why was it important for you to create that space for two millennial clergy women to really be on our entrepreneurial hustle? (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I think that's the heart and soul of where I am now in ministry and uh, the role that I play really as a coach with a lot of women and individuals in ministry because life in church is changing and many people with seminary degrees who have skills in ministry realize you can't earn a living in many of the churches now because churches don't have the number of staff they once did in many instances. And life as a minister in the church context can be a pretty unstable existence. And so having run the Conference of Churches now for the last 17 years, I knew that for there to be peace of mind for many ministers, we had to become what I call solepreneurs. We have to have our own side hustle, a business that is portable, that we can take with us, a platform that we can develop. So no matter where we are in ministry, we are modern tent makers. You know, we think about the Bible and the stories of Paul and some of the other apostles who had their other side jobs. And when you think about those who are missionaries, they were tent makers or they had a way of earning a living. I think we're living in a time now where ministers need to have their own skill set, their own platform, their own side business. So no matter where they are, they still have a way to earn a living because we can love God and we can love ministry But, you know, church life can be cruel. You could be voted out in a moment depending on your denomination. A bishop could take your appointment away. You could be fired if you're in another context just because of church politics. And you've got to have a way to keep a roof over your head, take care of your family, take care of yourself. And so part of what the 224 Ecospace is is a platform for people to develop their own entrepreneurial ventures. And that's particularly of interest to me as a minister. And it was the conversation with the two of you about your platform, your business, how to cultivate your brand, make your presence known, um, live in this world where we're preaching in different kinds of ways. You can preach through a podcast, through social media, through other tools. And so it was the conversation about really defining your brand, your niche, and the message that you wanted to share with the broader community. And I've been delighted to see what's happened with Just Two Pearls, knowing that the pearls are an important part of your brand and your identities, especially as women that have been groomed by some very fine educational institutions. And so that concept, I think, has worked very well. And you have been running with Just Two Pearls and getting momentum. So I think you're on a good path. And hopefully your minds will continue to cultivate opportunities for yourselves where you always had that thing on the side. So no matter where you are and what the situation is, you know that you have something to fall back on. Fantastic. I have one more question. Portia, do you have anything else before I jump in here? I do not. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, here we go. So I'm going to ask you, this is my heavy-hitting question, Reverend Shelley. Both you and Portia are well aware, and our audience might know as well, that um, I'm back in graduate school, and one of the focuses of my work is really black feminist thought. And you know, as a person who's done extensive work with womanist theology, just how much the negative, death-dealing stereotypes of black women conspire to not only hurt the world's impression of us, 
but also to hurt our relationships with each other. We see this reflected in television, both in reality TV and in scripted TV, and we see it playing out in middle schools, high schools, where we just can't quite seem to get it together as black women and really form sisterhood bonds with each other. So we've talked a lot about sisterhood generally, but can you really talk about the specificity of how, as a black woman, you've cultivated real, nurturing, genuine, not catty, not shady relationships with other black women that you feel like bolster you and that also bolster them. And I'm talking specifically in peer groups. I think intergenerational relationships are a little bit different, but specifically within peer groups, how do you cultivate these sorts of relationships? Well, I think it starts out with I live a life where I strive to be pretty authentic. I strive to keep my feet on the ground and be down to earth. And I think uh, with that as my general persona, it makes it a little bit easier to form relationships with other women. So I'm keeping it real. I have a sense of humor. I like to have real conversations with people. And by looking other women in the eye, I think I have a good sense of what other people are going through, and I'm always mindful that it's never easy to be on this journey as a woman of color. So when I'm meeting other women, I'm going to spend some time really listening, really seeing, and then really connecting based on what they're actually going through. And I think there is a natural bond that is formed. Uh, the Bible tells us that if we want to be friends, we've got to show ourselves friendly. And I think I'm generally a friendly kind of person where I can forge relationships with other people. And I'm going to do my best to help somebody if I can, if I see a way to be of service to another person. That, too, is a great way to form a relationship that opens the door. Then the person can see I'm not out to get something from them. I just want to be good people. I want to be a sister, and that is important to me. And uh, when I encounter women for the first time. It's that sisterhood connection. I want to honor another woman. I'm going to celebrate her. I'm going to let people know who she is, that she's fabulous, that she's amazing. I'm going to uplift her. And that also becomes a way of building that bond uh, with another woman. And I often create situations where Women get a chance to be in the room together and celebrate one another. I think uplift is what creates the relationships. I think about the visit that you and Portia made to my In Our Own Voices preaching class, and immediately you all forged relationships with the other female ministry students that were in the room, and it's about keeping it real, down to earth, with a little humor. And I think we can see the beauty of relationships in that way, and it's rare for me not to be able to forge a relationship with another woman. And if it so happens that I can't connect, wow, it's probably a pretty closed person um, that doesn't want relationships. And that sometimes does happen. But even then, over time, I can probably win that woman over. I'll just be determined to get there. So um, I think there's always a way, and I don't take people just at face value. I recognize that sometimes we put on personas or shields just to protect ourselves, but every woman has a heart. Every woman wants to be loved and cared for. Every woman 
appreciates having sisterhood. It's rare to find a woman that doesn't. So sometimes we just have to take the time to really get to know somebody, and it's about us having the humility ourselves where it's not about what you first encounter. It's about getting to know the person. I'm glad you mentioned reality TV because when I think about some of the programs that are on now, like your Real Housewives of Atlanta or something like that, and I look at the sisters that are on that show and the relationships, I'm surprised because I know I could be just about anybody's friend. And what we're seeing on those shows, that's not, that's really not the women that I meet most of the time. So I think it's a fabrication. It's really not who those women really are. And there are ways to connect with people uh, without that kind of conflict. I just believe that. And, you know, people do say I'm an optimist, so that's possible as well. Thank you, Reverend Shelley. We really appreciate the, um, your comments and your just your sharing um, in all of this. As you were talking, I just couldn't help but just think about my own um, sisterhood circle of just the women who really, like, help me, like, hold me up, you know, um, my peers, you know, in terms of, like, black women in sisterhood and relationships that I've cultivated from, particularly from Spelman and just, you know, through my sorority and things like that. It's just such a a powerful thing to have just like, like as Jamie was sharing, like a non-catty, you know, just upholding women who can just love on you and, you know, just be there. So um, it's truly a gift from God. Um, Reverend Shelley, how can people contact you? You know, this is your moment to, like, plug your plug, Reverend Shelley. (laughs) There's a number of ways to get in touch with me. The best way to reach me is through Facebook. So you can find me, Shelley D. Best or Rev. Shelley Best. I'm on Facebook. I have my website for my yoga practice, SoYoX, S-O-Y-O-X, the Soul Yoga Experience. You can find my website as well. And you'll also find me on Instagram, or you can find me through the Conference of Churches in Hartford, Connecticut, or the 224 Ecospace in Hartford, Connecticut. Thank you so much, Reverend Shelley. It was such a privilege and honor to be able to talk to you a little bit more about sisterhood. We hope that you all will follow Reverend Shelley on Facebook and Instagram or find her on her website. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And remember to cultivate the pearl within you, girl. Hey, pearls, do you have a question about prayer, religious expression, music, clothing, or scripture? Well, these two millennial clergywomen in pearls are ready to help, so ask away. Listen in as a special guest will help us respond to you on an upcoming episode of Just Two Pearls. You can ask us absolutely anything. So write to us by commenting on our Instagram, by sending us a DM on Instagram or Facebook at Just Two Pearls, or by emailing us directly at adventures at justtwopearls.com. Until we hear from you, remember to cultivate the pearl within you. And so, pearls, you know what time it is. It's that time from one of my favorite segments, the Petty Pearl. And so, Jamie, I have really got to say this. This is like ultimate Petty Pearldom, okay? This (laughs) is like a petty, 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 petty thing that many of us know. We're all familiar with it. And... There's not a black person alive who does not know what I'm about to say. And if you don't know, you will know by the time this is over. Yes, I'm hyping the moment up. I think y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the pettiest of petty, petty, petty things that we do 
in the black community. Wait for it. Wait for it. All right, y'all. CP time. Colored people time. Jamie. <laughs> O-M-G. Oh, my gosh. Let me tell you something about CP time. Saints, we have got to do better at CP time. You know what? How about we just move from CP time to just being on time, okay? Like, I don't know. Like, there is an old saying, you know, to be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late, and to be late is just unacceptable. Well, you know, as I journey with black people in this thing called life, I realize that it is so true that CB time is real. Um, it was real at an HBCU. Um, actually, some of them, for the most part, we kind of start on time for most things. Um, and, you know, the culture of um, some churches, not all churches, you know, some church cultures of some churches, you know, are, is to start on time. But then there are just places and spaces. It could, don't have to just be church. It could be performances. It could be, oh, Jesus, a number of things, of events that we just host, and we just don't start on time. And then the thing is the expectation of the people is we're not going to start on time, and then people are going to come late because the expectation is no one's going to start on time. Well, maybe for those of us who are hosting, if we just start on time and people get there and they're like, oh, well, I thought that maybe then we'll start having a, a checks and balances accountability system. I mean, I don't know outside of God who else is a keeper of time, but I'm pretty sure God is on time, you know. So um, that's so funny, like how we use that church trope, like he's an on-time God, but then yet we're always late. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so if God is on time and we're CP time, we're just going to always miss it. But, um, oh, I might preach that. Um, well, no comment there. But in any case, yes, Jamie, CP time. That is petty, y'all. We have got to do better. Okay? Thanks. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Just Two Pearls. And you can email us at adventures at just two pearls.com. And remember, cultivate the pearl within you.